Welcome to the Jada Edwards podcast. For the next three episodes, we're going to do a short series on what it means to really love biblically, authentically, and intelligently. I call it the Love Well Project. Here's part two. So in this second part of the Love Well Project, um, I really want to talk about what it means to love freely, that love is free. And that is the idea that we have to come from a place of healing and forgiveness and wholeness um, in Christ in order for us to be able to love freely. I think one of the other reasons relationships struggle, any relationship, because literally your neighbor is everyone and anyone. They struggle because we love with condition. We love with a cost. If you treat me right, if you uh, promise to not hurt me. If you are loyal to me, if you um, don't cause me pain, then I will love you to the best of my ability. Now, my love is flawed and jacked because, you know, I'm not really working on myself, but I'll give you what I got if you treat me right. Like there's a cost to the love. And so um, not only do we need to love smartly or love understand that we need to be curious and, and seek to learn. Love is learning. We learned about that in our last episode. Um, but love is also free. So Matthew 6, 14, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, for if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly father will not forgive your transgressions. And Jesus is not really trying to give an ultimatum. But what he is showing us here in this passage is how critical forgiveness is that it is so important that if you have a heart, a pattern, a spirit of unforgiveness in your life, then it could be that you have not allowed the Holy Spirit into your heart. That as a believer, that part of salvation, the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit is that we are able to forgive the way we have been forgiven. So he is saying that forgiveness is so big that a pattern of unforgiveness could be an indication of our salvation. Like that's huge. And so when you think about Jesus and the cross, man, that is love that was free to us. It cost something, but it didn't cost us. Jesus doesn't say, get it together, serve me, love me, then I'll forgive you. No, he says, I forgive first. Oh my gosh, I forgive first. And then I want you to live differently because you're forgiven, not to earn the forgiveness. But that is not what we do in relationships. And so when you think about what it means to love well, loving God and loving our neighbor, forgiveness and free love or loving freely is, a, is the next critical step in that. Now, can we forgive a God who's holy and perfect? No. Sometimes people say that I need to forgive God. Well, you don't need to forgive God because God can't offend you. He's God. Um, but you probably need to come to terms with the evidence of God's sovereignty in your life, the things that he allowed that were not pleasing, that may have caused pain, the things that he did not stop, that you wish he would have stopped, um, the things that you wish God would have done differently. You have to come to grips with whatever that unmet expectation is in your own experience um, and couple that with your pursuit your curiosity, your knowledge, your learning of God, because when you understand how vast his love is, then you will have a framework 
for even the hard things that were allowed in your life. God allowed is not the same as God caused in his sovereignty. Yes, he has to give final approval to everything. That didn't mean that's his intention. That didn't mean that's what he wants. First and foremost, some things he allows because we're in a sinful and broken world. And so the forgiveness, free love starts with having a right relationship with God. Um, Even if you're a believer and you're saved and you have the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean that you're not in some way trying to hold a grudge against God, thinking that that God should have done something differently in your life. You have to come to grips with that. There is no way. It is impossible to have something in your life that you believe God should have done differently, that God did not love you well and allow this thing to happen, that you have some um, issue with how God allowed your life to happen. You cannot have that in your heart and think that you can love others freely. <laughs> it's impossible. Remember, love God with your heart, soul, mind. Then the second is like it. Then you can love your neighbor when you're in pursuit of loving God. You'll never achieve it. It'll never be perfect. You'll never attain it. There's no finish line. But when you're in pursuit of loving God, then you can begin to love your neighbor. So don't think that you can have great relationships with your neighbor, with your husband, with your wife, with your kids, with your friends. And you have got some jacked up junk in your heart because you're still hurt or mad about something God allowed in your life. So it's not really a matter of forgiveness, but it's certainly a matter of um, coming to terms with whatever that thing or those things are. Um, There's a journey of healing and restoration and and being wrapped back up into God's arms, which, by the way, uh, trying to heal from something that was painful or traumatic that that caused a negative impact on your relationship with God, that cannot be done in isolation of pursuing God, like the loving smartly, that smart love that says, I'm curious. I want to know what God has said to me about himself. I want to know what God has revealed. I want to understand the vastness of God's grace, the lavishness of his mercy and his love. Like I have to be in constant pursuit of the character of God because that gives me a framework for whatever I need to let go. And I can still be deeply hurt by things that happen in my life and not say that God did them with anything but love as, as the intention or that God allowed them with anything but love um, in his heart or as the intention for my life. So that's a whole thing that that free love starts with um, having a healthy and clean slate, if you will, when it comes to your relationship with God. And then that begins to spill over into our relationships with people. Then we can start to think about what it means to love free like that love is free I'm not charging you if I'm not charging you to love you like the cost is that you're great and that we have things in common we like the same restaurants you never betray me you never lie you're always for me all these things that we never say but but we know that's really what we want so there's a cost for me to love you your, your behavior or your values have to be a certain way or a certain thing and that's the price you pay and then I love you what happens is when when a person doesn't do those things and they're dishonest or they're um, disloyal or they betray you or you're abandoned or you're rejected, then guess what? They are no longer able to pay the price for your love and you punish them. 
we punish. Now I'm not going to love you the same because you cannot pay the price anymore. You have failed. Um, now again, don't run to the extreme. Don't run to toxic relationships, abuse, unsafe situations. I'm not talking about those outliers. Those are the Judas type situations in our lives. Most of our hurt and our pain comes from Peter type situations in our lives. Um, Peter was flawed and human and people were hurt because of his own weakness, not because of his ill intentions. Judas was the one presented to us as the intentional malicious betrayer. Everybody's not Judas. So don't treat a hundred Peters in your life like they're Judases. Most people are just going about their human lives, living in all their humanity and in their weaknesses and in their shortcomings. They're going to hurt whoever gets close enough to get hurt. Guess what? You're a Peter in somebody's life. You have betrayed someone. You have disappointed. You have denied. You have let someone down. But we don't we don't dismantle. We don't dismiss because of those kinds of things. Right. There's not a cost to the love that God has given us. And by the way, even if God brings a Judas in your life, even if God allows, let me fix that, a Judas in your life, that still doesn't affect your love. It might affect your like, (laughs) but it don't affect your love because Judas was still at the table. I mean, God still had Judas as a disciple. Oh my gosh, we're going to talk about that more in the next episode about what it means to love close. It's crazy to think that God would still love someone who betrays him. Now, maybe you can't be close to me because you're hurtful to me. Maybe we can't be best friends, but I can still love you. I can still pray for you. I can still want God's best for you because God loves all of his children. And so there is this, um, interesting dynamic when it comes to the Christian life. We're always living in multiple spaces. We can be in a space of pain and also a space of forgiveness. We can be in a space of hurt and a space of healing. We can understand that there needs to be some type of distance, maybe maybe um, something that protects my body or protects my mind from this relationship, but I can still love you spiritually. I can still in my heart want God's best for you and your own healing and, and whatever is God's will for your life. And so that is the uniqueness of the tension of the Christian life. So free love to love freely is to love from a place of health and wholeness and healing so that I'm not demanding from my relationships what only God can give me because that condition y'all is a relationship killer, not killer, killer. Um, yeah, it's a relationship killer which by the way is the name my son said he would give his dog that one day he is going to have. It's prophetic. He swears he's going to have a dog. We're not going to have a dog in the family. I don't think so. But I said, what would you name him? Killer. I said, yeah, that's not making your case. But anyway, um, I digress and I return. So it's a relationship killer because what happens when we don't love freely, we instantly create a debt debtor relationship. Okay. So what does this look like in everyday life? It can be, like I said, marriage, friendship, regular life. It is like I loaned this person $20 when they had zero and no one would give them $20 and I gave them $20. And then what happens is, you know, that person may pay you back. They may give you $20 back. But then the next time you need something, you need a favor. You need $50. You need $10. You need a ride to the airport. You need whatever. And they say, oh, I can't right now. You're like, but I gave you $20. In 1991, how are you not willing and able to do whatever I ask? 
because somewhere in your mind, you've created a debt debtor relationship. I've given you something. Now you need to love me. Now you need to, you owe me, right? So having free, loving freely, not in a Woodstock type of 1970s way, for those of you that remember that, loving freely is not just about being forgiving, like offering forgiveness and holding debt loosely and and releasing and and not demanding some condition for your love for people to earn your love people have to pay the price for your love loving freely is not just constantly forgiving that's that is part of it we need to forgive others loving freely is also not demanding okay so I'm choosing to be forgiving and I am resisting the urge to be demanding I'm being forgiving when you hurt or offend, I'm letting that go. I want to love you freely without condition. I'm going to deal with that with me and the Lord. But I'm also choosing not to be demanding, meaning I was nice to you one time. I helped you out when no one else did. I got you that job. I gave you that hookup. I made that recommendation for you. Now you owe me. You owe me. And, and we'll never say it, but now you owe me. So now you have found another way to create a debt debtor relationship. And let me tell you something. They never work. They never work. When I take out a loan with my bank, I'm not inviting them to my baby shower. We're not friends. I owe you something. We only in relationship because I owe you. And guess what? Even though I like my bank, they all right. Once I pay off my loan, I'm done. We're not chit-chatting. I'm done. Debt, debtor relationships are the antithesis of love because God says you owe the debt and I paid it. And I don't keep that debt hanging over your head. Matter of fact, I want you to live free. I want you to live with abundance and joy because your debt has already been paid, not because you're trying to pay it off. You can never pay the debt that you owed. I, I says the Lord, God says, I don't put you in a debt debtor relationship. How, how you going? Right. Let me just go. How are you going to put someone in a debt debtor relationship when the one you should be in, you're not in. So, To love freely says I'm not going to be demanding. Not only am I going to seek to be a forgiving person, I'm not going to be demanding. Y'all, that shows up. I was talking to a friend of mine and she's dealing with some things in marriage and uh, there was infidelity in her marriage. And for a lot of people, Christians or not, we're like, oh, that's it. That's the out card. Jesus said, you know, we if if there's adultery, we should get divorced, which is not what Jesus said. (laughs) He said, Okay, because of your maturity, because you don't know how much you've been forgiven. If this happens, I will grant you a certificate of divorce. He didn't say get divorced. That's another story. That's for the marriage podcast. So if you if that happens and there's been some kind of betrayal, maybe it was infidelity. Maybe it was uh, financial secrecy. Maybe it was, you know, just emotional disregard, whatever that we can be betrayed and abandoned and rejected all kinds of ways. And what happened was my friend had forgiven. They talked about it, worked through it, decided to stay together, but she hadn't really forgiven him. So now we're three years later and they're realizing that they're having struggles because they're in a debt debtor relationship. She interacts with him in a way that says, you need to always remember that thing I forgave you from. Remember how I stayed here after you did that thing? Y'all, that's not forgiveness. That is not forgiveness. Hanging uh, someone's mistakes, dangling those mistakes over someone's head to try to incentivize good behavior is the opposite of what God does for us. He loves us freely. He says, your sins are covered. Your debt is paid. And I am not going to constantly remind you of how you've messed up. I want you to 
be holy and love well and live right because you've got this freedom because you've got this freedom. I am your safety net. I'm going to catch you when you fall. Um, I've covered the eternal consequence of your sin. Yes, there's going to be daily. There's earthly consequences, things that happen here on earth. You make bad choices. You're going to experience the result of those bad choices. But the biggest debt, the one we could not pay, he paid. And when I mess up, God's not like, remember the cross? How did you treat that person that way when I died on the cross? Do you remember that? Remember when you, that's not what he does. He's just like, oh, Jada, my love for you, my love for you is so healing. It's so restoring. It's so redeeming that you should be able to love that person without needing from them what I'm already giving you. Y'all, and I'm not trying to say that there's not consequences for behavior. I'm not saying that offenses don't need to be addressed and dealt with. I'm saying love should not be conditional based on those offenses. Love should not be conditional based on how we think we've come to someone's rescue. It should not be demanding and it should always be forgiving. Now, having said that, y'all are like, but wait, Matthew 18. Some of y'all know the Bible. Y'all like Matthew 18, conflict. I get it. I get it. But how many times is that conflict really driven by a desire to restore unity? Is it God putting that on your heart to say, go and talk to this person so that you can restore unity? Or is it more about I need to say my piece? They need to know what I was thinking. Well, That's not forgiveness either, because now you're saying we're only going to be good if you hear me out and you acknowledge that I'm right or you apologize or you agree that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness says, hey, I'm good regardless of your response. I mean, I love you. I mean, that's not going to change. But maybe I need to decide if you're going to still be an employee here or still be on my team or still be in my close friendship circle by how we resolve this conflict. Because something happened that I don't think is healthy. It's not godly. It's not God honoring. And it damaged our relationship. That's different than saying, listen, if you want to stay around me, you better understand that I'm right. And here's here's how I feel. Let me state my piece. Matthew 18 is a spirit of unity. It's restor- restoration of fellowship. It's not about an individual or group of people stating their mind and having someone else say, I'm sorry. That's not what it's about. Most of the things that bother us, we probably could keep to ourselves. Guys like you don't even need to talk to nobody about that. Talk to me about that. As a matter of fact, Jada. The reason that bothers you is because you got stuff going on with you. You are perfectionistic. You are achievement driven. You need everything to be great. So they they rubbed you wrong because they're not driven by that. So this is not something you need to address with them. Address it with yourself. Let's go back to episode one. Search me and know me, God. Because when I love smart, when my love is curious and I'm learning about God, learning about myself, that covers a lot of events. And in this special case where... You are not angry with the person. You don't feel entitled. There's no arrogance rising up. There's just something spirit led in you that says, man, this is an unhealthy pattern of behavior. This is not good for this person. Oh, then Matthew 18 comes into play. Not because my love for that person is on the line. Not because I need them to agree. Not because I need to make my point, show my authority, flex my leadership, flex my Bible knowledge, whatever it is. But because something in my heart, the Holy Spirit is saying, 
man, she's making a bad choice or he's making a bad choice. Then I can come to them and say, you know what, when you say this or when you choose not to respond or when you address conflict this way or when you avoid conflict this way or when you spend your money this way, whatever it is, I think that's unhealthy. I think it's creating some kind of disconnection in our relationship or your relationship with others or Maybe it's an effect. Maybe it's some result of your relationship with God. Let's talk about that. This this has been on my heart. Matthew 18 is not about personal attack. Matthew 18 is about restoring unity. But if you come from a place, a belief that says love is free, it was free for me. Cost Jesus as a man everything. But it was free for me. So it'll be free for others. My love will be free. That does not mean we don't have hard conversations in relationships. That doesn't mean that sometimes I need to put a little space that that the Holy Spirit has given me clarity on, not out of my personal vendetta or my arrogance. Sometimes I need to put a little space for health in some relationships that none of those things are off the table. But I don't want to lead with those things. I want to lead with God. You've got me. No person can hurt me beyond what you can restore. So let me start thinking about how I can love this person freely. I don't want to punish them. I don't want to withhold my love from them because they have failed me because I don't want you to withhold your love from me when I fail you. So let me start from that place. And then if you give me clarity on maybe next steps that need to happen in this relationship, sure, that's going to happen sometimes. But most of the time. We need to be more forgiving and less demanding. If we're going to love well, we have to love free. Love is free. It cannot come at a cost because the only person who has ever had a right to demand a price for love did not require it. All we had to do was believe in the good work, the sacrifice, the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. He paid the price. So we are thieves when we try to charge for something that's already been paid for. That's what we are. So love is free. If you want to love well, you have to learn to love freely. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Love Well series. I hope you're encouraged and challenged. Make sure you leave a comment, leave a review, share and subscribe to the podcast.